This is Talk It Over, the only dating relationship podcast that begins in bed. Make the time to subscribe. Now let's pull back those sheets. Can we talk about the relationships? Can we talk it over, see how we can build? Only you and I know that's the way it goes. In this big old bed, the talk it over show. Talk it over. It's your man, K.I. from Bed-Stuy, and this is another uh, podcast of Talk It Over. And as you know, Talk It Over is the only dating relationship podcast that begins in bed. We have another amazing hot topic. We got some amazing guest co-hosts, and uh, as a matter of fact, I'm about to jump in and introduce them right now. Let's see. We got Sasha in the building. Hey, Sasha. Hi, everyone. Um, happy to be here again. Yes. Uh, so, and hi to all of the participants. Yes. So, have you met everybody? I have not met Geraldine, and I think I have participated with everyone else. Okay. So, all right. So, we got, uh, speaking of Geraldine, we got Miss Geraldine in the building. Geraldine was originally one of the fans of the show, but she actually has become one of our guest co-hosts, and she's a pistol. So, we love having her on board. Uh, yeah. Welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> Hi everybody! Don't listen Thank to you. Ki. I ain't no pistol. I'm a sweet girl. <laughs> That's right. That's right. My bad. Don't listen to Ki from Best Die. Him crazy. <laughs> um, yes. it's nice to be on here again. I think yeah. I did only one with uh, Bree. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never did one with Sasha or Leon. Oh, so well. Well, let me tell you. King Kong ain't got nothing on Leon. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hey, brother Leon, how you doing? I'm feeling. I'm doing well, brother. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you. Always glad to have you on deck. Thank you for joining us once again. It's 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 special when when we get Leon in the building. I mean, really special. Lately, it's been hard to pry him from him his other <laughs> things that he's got going on. I ain't gonna tell him business. Let him tell it if he want to tell it. But uh, it's it's good to have you on, Leon, as always. And um, Bree, bringing the tea. What up, Bree? Hello, hello. How are we? Ow, Bree is going to be uh, uh, our facilitator today because uh, Big O is uh, taking a little bit of time off, much needed, right? Yes. So um, before we get into our topic, which Bree is going to introduce, um, we, I, I want to make sure we open up to and address some of the issues and concerns of the day that are going on, right? Some of our social issues that are going on in the midst of uh, the, the pandemic, Right. So I, I feel like the, the 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 social issues of the day have put the pandemic on the back burner. Right? It seems like this seems like you, you would think that something like uh, uh, a pandemic would be the top order of the day. But that has seemed to have taken the back seat to things that are much more personal and pressing. Right. And we don't even have to pretend we, we you know, uh, about the elephant being in the room our social injustice and the attention uh, that we need to pay to it um, 
and, and give respect to. So, and not just talking, right? We need to really, now all of us need to be proactive as citizens, as, as U.S. citizens and as global citizens. We really need to give this our uh, as much attention as we possibly can, you know. So one of the things that that has been bothering me and, and upsetting on some level is why these issues are not upsetting to everybody, right? This 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 is a concern not just for people of color. This is a human concern, right? And these things that we see taking place on our streets should not just be a concern for people of color. This should be upsetting for troubling for anybody. I've seen animals, uh, I've seen creatures from uh, of other organic forms dying and that deeply touches me. I've seen a raccoon dying once and it really, it bothered me so bad. I literally couldn't, I had to pull, I had to pull over. I was driving, I had to pull over and it took me about 15, 20 minutes to get myself together, right? just empathizing with the pain and suffering of, of another creature. So as human beings, it is hard for me to wrap myself around the idea that we are all collectively not upset by the things that we see taking place on the streets here in the US and, and anywhere else, right? So just wanted to open it up and allow, um, before we get into the feel good story, um, anybody, uh, any of my guest co-hosts that want to weigh in and, and throw something in. So floor is open. I'm going to shut up now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, uh, I echo your sentiments in that, um, it, it's, it's almost mind boggling that we have to explain this. Like it has to explain, we have to explain that black people matter, you know? Uh, we have to explain that people being treated unfairly because of the color of their skin um, is a problem, you know. And and it's 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 crazy. I mean, me and me and Big O, we did the the live on Thursday, and we were talking about um, you know Jacob Blake and you know and and how like since that shooting, we I've already seen on social media two or three instances in which. Um, irate, out-of-control white men who were armed or threatened to harm police officers were either dealt with in a way that I had the situation diffused without loss of life or, you know, were basically told to go about their business and live their life, you know, because, because of the fact that they're white. There's no other explanation of it. Like, when you see these police officers, you know... I, as of late, I mean, this is not brand new, but especially um, as of late, you hear the, the common um, rebuttal of black on black crime. And it's like, well, you know, if black people care more about um, not killing each other. And it's like one issue does not negate the other. They are completely uh, um, isolated issues there. You, you know what I'm saying? It's like to, to bring that up and totally skate over the obvious police brutality and mistreatment. It's just insane. Um, and it, it, it really hurts, you know, because it's their constant reminders that black bodies don't matter, you know? Um, 
And I don't, I don't have any answers. I just know how it makes me feel. Um, and I know that all I could do is continue to try my best to, you know, be thoughtful and, and intentional about, you know, how I want to live my life and how I want my life to affect others, you know? Look, yeah, look, and, and, and I'll say this to, to, that, to that notion of black on black crime. Look, everybody, every, every race of people kills anybody, any and everybody in the same race of people kill the same race. That, that's an excuse. And I'll give you one. Here's a show. Here's one of my favorite shows, Forensic Files. If you ever watch Forensic Files, there are two reasons that this is my favorite show. I had this conversation with Anna. I love the science behind how uh, science is used to capture criminals. That's one. That's one of the reasons I love the show. The other reason I love the show is really kind of sad and pathetic. It's because it actually shows who the criminals are by and large and who the criminals kill. You have white males who will kill, serial kill several people, city to city, county to county, state to state. And guess who they're killing? They're usually killing white women. Right. Okay. So that's white on right, white crime. Mm-hmm. Right. But it doesn't get the attention. Right. So, so when those people talk about those people, whoever those people are, talk about black on black crime. Mm-hmm. First of all, they don't know what they're talking about. They don't live in these communities. They only know the propaganda that they read and, and heard somebody else talk about. Absolutely. They don't live the experience. Right. But if you want to go into somebody else's backyard, take a look in your own first. Absolutely. Take a look at forensic files and you will see white on white crime and the greatest threat to a white woman is a white male. If you don't believe me, check it. That's all. If you don't believe it, check it for yourself. So if we're going to be fair and equitable and talk about what other people do, guess what? We're going to have to start talking about what you do. So there you go. But but to do that means that you have to confront issues that won't that change the narrative absolutely right and we don't want the and, and the narrative needs to continue um vilifying people of color so um, ladies please feel free to weigh in it's, it's a very touchy issue i know it it is is it's very touchy and i my son living in durham and i just worry about him if I call him, because we FaceTime on a regular, and if I FaceTime him and he don't answer, it scares me. Like, what's going on? Because I hear about so much crime in Durham. Right. And another another child has been shot and killed. And it's, it's ridiculous how people, quote-unquote, white people try to justify the police killing black men, black people. Mm-hmm. There's no justification for it. No. If you can take down an armed white man with no incident without him getting hurt or anything, what's stopping you from taking down a single black man the same? There's no justification for it. What's, what's stopping them is their ability or inability to see black men and black women and black children as human first. Absolutely. You know, right. 
there's 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 no there's the only that's the only way I can think of it because you know you know growing up my uncle was in law enforcement and you know I I've always thought of that particular job. Um, obviously, my thoughts have changed, but as a child growing up in, in, into teenager and into adulthood, it was something that you revered. It was like, oh, police are protect, are to protect. Mm-hmm. Mind you, considered first class citizens. Absolutely, you know. And I'm, and you know, I was nine years old when Rodney King, the Rodney King incident happened, and. I still grew up wanting to do that. Like I thought about those things, thinking of it as an honorable job. But then as you start to see the world for what it really is, and you start to see that there are countless hashtags, you know, uh, and, and, and examples where, you know, the, these police officers are showing that they don't value it. It's like at the end of the day, like it's not about defunding the police. It's not about reforming them. It's a system that's been designed. Like the history of policing was from slave catching. So mm-hmm. if you think about that and how that's in the DNA of a police officer, like the, it's it's like the whole thing needs to be dismantled. That's you right. Know? But right. it's not. And, and I know it's not all police. Absolutely. It's not well, all of them. Right. It's I, heard just a, I heard a photo, Geraldine, I heard a quote the other day. And it is, it's honestly it's so, so, so telling. It said, if you sit down at a table with 10 Nazis, there are a table of 11 Nazis. Exactly. So I don't care to hear about good cops. Like, it doesn't matter. Exactly. You're complicit. That's right. So, one thing I will say is, like, I live right across the street from one police plaza. So that's when the protests and, you know, the march are happening, there's a, a large presence of police officers. And mm-hmm. when they see me, they instantly assume that I'm a part of the protest and don't assume that I live in a neighborhood and I'm trying to get home. Right. So, you know, their reaction is to be rude and, you know, to, to brush me oh, off. No. You got to go the other way and, you know, get out of here. So at me, what I do is I ask uncomfortable questions. How can you put on a uniform knowing that you're coming in to support a system that openly oppresses people of color? And one of the responses that I've typically have gotten from different officers is we're not all the same. No, you might not all be the same, but how can you come in knowing that we're on the same level and there's nothing much that I can do to change this? If I really want to make a change, I'm going to go to the jurisdiction where I can do that. I'm going to go to the areas where I know I can do so. You know, like I exposed um, an undercover detective who is corrupt out in Brooklyn at the 75th precinct. He also has worked at the 64th precinct. I know you're talking about. Right, right. And it's not just him. You know, it's, it's the people that work under him. Because when he says jump, they say how high. You know, they don't say, wait, no, why are we doing this? This is illegal. We shouldn't be stopping these people. This is, we shouldn't be raiding these homes because we don't have warrants to do this. They don't see these things. They say, okay, we're going to do it. Even though they know what their sergeant is doing is illegal. You know, so I don't want to hear like, oh, I'm not the same and I don't support what this officer does. You might not support it personally, but when you're around it, guilty by association. The same way if I'm hanging around a a group that you assume are drug dealers, you're going to stop me and arrest me and question me as well because guilty by association. Right. No question. All right. Listen, can we, uh, Sasha, you want to weigh in uh, before we move on? Yeah, there's a a couple of things that I want to add as an ally in this conversation. Um, So 
I'll, I'll rewind kind of what you said earlier in terms of the pandemic being um, secondary. I actually think that because we're in the pandemic, it exacerbated um, how we view this. And earlier, uh, immediately following George Floyd um, murder, I actually was kind of happy that we didn't have much else going on because I thought that it made everybody pay attention. Now, uh, what, like a couple of months later, it has become a scare tactic for a presidential reelection campaign. Mm -hmm. So I think that we have to really be as people, we have to really be vigilant about maintaining the positive positivity of the narrative. That is the right thing to do, regardless of how, painful it uh, the changes may be or may seem it is the right thing to do we're merely correcting the wrong like it's no more than that right like Mm -hmm. equal rights is equal rights it's not it's not a pizza pie right Right. where people if you give more rights to everyone that like there's a i don't know a group of people that has less rights it's it's there's enough for everybody and that's sort of the beauty of having equal rights in this world. Now, another thing that I'd like to sort of point to is statistically, regardless of ethnicity or skin color, it's a very small percentage. Like most people are good, right? It's a very small percentage that commit violent crimes against anybody, right? Um, Any community. Any community, yeah. It's it's a small percentage. Yet, what I see constantly happening is um, this notion of unconscious bias, right? If we see a black criminal, whatever it is, a thief or, you know, committed robbery, committed violence, it doesn't matter. People tend to associate that with the entire community. Yes. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you see a white criminal that... Somebody like, uh, what's his name? Jeffrey Epstein, right? Mm-hmm. Ruined a lot of lives or Bernie Madoff, okay, white collar crime, but like robbed, yep. I don't know mm-hmm. what is it, dozens of people of their pension and, you yep. know, caused people committing suicides and, and, and et cetera. You just view it as, oh, well, this one white monster. Like you don't yeah. all yep. of a sudden associate yeah. that and that is a bias that I think people have to proactively address ongoingly mm-hmm. and like check themselves and yeah. just be like, okay, I am in my privilege where I'm not seeing a white criminal, you know, the, the entire white community or whatever as yeah. like white collar criminals, but I am more likely to see that, you know, if I see a person of color that has been charged with a crime or what have you. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is an important thing that has to constantly be addressed, right? It does. Um, Specific to New York, and I I believe we're all New Yorkers on this call or close to it. Um, He's in North Carolina now. What? Geraldine's in North Carolina. North oh, okay. Carolina. <laughs> but uh, specific to 
um, NYC, there's been a lot of coverage, right, that the crime has gone on, oh, I guess any, any city, right? And I really do think the pandemic has made it worse. So mm-hmm. there's a small group of people that commit violent crimes in New York or Chicago or right. wherever, right. right? And when you take away the filters of this bustling city and the economy and whatever, you're just forced to pay attention to it. So all of a sudden it becomes news. All of a sudden it becomes like, you know, front page of every, you know. And I think when people start to pay attention, when fear sets in, that mm-hmm. is, um, that ends, that becomes, begins, the, begins a conversation of, uh, oh, the crime is out of control, right? But, but if you think about it, I think I saw a statistic that NYC violent crime rate is that of 2012, mm. not the 70s, right? Mm-hmm. Like, right? They are trying to present to us, but 2012 which is less than 10 years ago when Bloomberg was in office. We very much remember that year yeah. or, mm-hmm. you know, around it. So like, it's not, I think that it, it's made much worse by the media or negative publicity around it. That's, Political that's kind of all I have to say. Right. Mm-hmm. Political polarization. Yeah. You know, um, Sasha, I think you brought up a very good point. And I think it's something that enough people don't think about. And I don't want to take too much more of a time um, on this, Nas. And you let me know. Uh, but um, uh, unconscious bias, you know, towards uh, pe- black men and women and people of color, um, th- there's a root to that, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and you think about, like, the first thing I thought about when you said that was Birth of a Nation. Um, and, and how the film pretty much galvanized the KKK movement in the early 1900s and, you know, how it affected, uh, um, how, how it used uh, Jim Crow and then into segregation and all these things, all these, I, all these ideas of blackness and how white people are to be afraid of, of blacks. Like it's not, a, it's not a novel concept. So when you, when we see things, and how things are portrayed, like you just said, you have uh, you have a, a black man committing a crime. Like I remember as a as a kid, you know, watching the news and re- remembering how black men and criminals were portrayed. You know, as like they always took the the darkest, ugly, like the darkest mugshot, and you know, and, and and like these sort of scare tactics to constantly reinforce this narrative, to constantly reinforce this idea, and. Yeah. Like, I don't know what it's going to take um, to change that, per se. But I think a start is people understanding that, white people as well, not just black people knowing it. Because we know it, and we're tired of having to explain it, you right. know? Um, but it also takes um, people who are in positions of power, people who are in positions of, like, content creation to continue to change that narrative, you know? Which is why, like, and I'm, I'm going to give a shout-out to my man Chadwick, um, RIP, um, because even Black Panther and that ability to, for, for everybody to kind of see like, Hey, black people, one are beautiful and we can tell stories and we don't have to tell stories of violence and suffering 
to for somebody to to think that a movie is good. We don't have to tell stories of our struggle. Like right. is our struggle real? Absolutely. But we also have uh, stories of beauty, stories of strength, stories empowerment, right. empowerment, and and just existing beautifully. And you know, um, one another. I, I honestly feel like being able to have people who are in positions of 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 controlling or influencing content so that that story is consistently told, you know, it will, it can help, you know? Absolutely. So look, I really appreciate everybody, uh, everybody's input and we can go on, right? We can do a whole podcast weeks on end on the topic, but I thought, I think it's important for us to, to, to make note of it and to be able to speak on it, right? So Talk It Over is about relationships, um, but it's a certain type of relationship. We're specifically speaking about dating and relationships, but talking it over is much more broad than that, right? It's, it's being able to have meaningful dialogue, not just inside of an intimate personal relationship, but being able to talk it over inside of all forms of relationship, whether it be business, or communicating with friends or family. So with that said, believe, believe it or not, with all of that going on, we still have feel-good stories. So <laughs> are you all ready for the feel-good story today? Yes. Let's do this. All right. So I'm a, this one is going to be really quick, but it's, re, it's really fun and I thought rather funny. So hold tight. Uh, let's see what we got. All right. This one comes out of the ATL. And it's gospel singers' hilarious song about quarantine snacking goes viral. This young lady, Katie French, um, created and wrote a song called The Fridge Again. And, uh, yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, you guys got to go on YouTube to check it out because it's really funny and we can all identify with it. I believe I've put on about 25 to 30 pounds, real talk, since, um, since March. And uh, so Katie French is a gospel singer um, out of Atlanta, and she posted a video of herself singing all the voices from a full gospel choir doing a rendition of a new anthem about snacking during the lockdown. And it is really fun, it's funny, it's lighthearted, and there, she's on, in a box screen, and there are about six to eight different versions of herself doing the full gospel choir. <laughs> and, and one of the things that she said that I thought was really cute and funny, she said, um, at least making this song kept me from the fridge for about an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was, I thought it was so cute, so funny. Um, I actually watched the video and she's really good. First of all, she can really sing as they, as they say in the South, that girl can sing. She can sing and, um, she's really colorful and animated in her rendering of this, uh, music video. So, um, big shout out to KD, uh, French out of the ATL. Thank you so much. Really appreciate that. I thought that that was really fun and thanks for sharing one of those things that makes us all too human, right? Who can't relate to that? Who can't right. relate to like eating more <laughs> and more and more? Like I just go in the re- kitchen just to look in the refrigerator. Now, <laughs> might right. not even want anything. I'm just in there. Yeah, you know. 
Yeah, so so it helps the monotony and the boredom. And that's something that all human beings can relate to. So mm-hmm. um, big up to uh, Katie French out of ATL. I thought that was a really fun and feel-good story. Thank you for that. So, uh, Miss Bree, finally, are we ready? We ready for the topic? Yes, yes. So today's topic is how to keep love and distance with your parents while being in a relationship. So pretty much how do you prevent your parents from intervening with your relationships. Sometimes we have parents that are extremely overbearing or overprotective and they stand, you know, they think they know best. So they all up in it. Just say they all up in it. Exactly. So how would you, you know, how would you intervene or say, hey mom, hey dad, I got this. So so can I can I take a stab at it? So Um, I have two younger sisters and um, my sisters would always get, they wouldn't get upset with me. They'd get a little pissed off because they'd be like, hold on. Our parents never get in your business. Like you never have a problem with them um, being in your business, in your affairs, in your personal uh, relationships or your business. And I, you know, I would tell them, I said, that's because I didn't put them in my business. Right. Mm. So part of that is built around that. Like my sisters would put the folks in their business. So so whenever they wanted Mm -hmm. them, if they ever had a problem with someone they were (laughs) dating, of course, here they come and they got a problem and they want the parents to come and help get them out of the situation that they put themselves in. And so I never put I never put my family in my affairs and in my business. So I didn't have to get them out of my business because I didn't invite them into my business. And of course, you know, as as parents, you know, as parents and as being a child, um, it's natural to be concerned about your children. Right. So if they come to you with a concern, not only are you going to be concerned inside of that one instance and situation that they're in, you're always going to be concerned about them. Right. right. So, um we have to be so, so young folk out there, be very mindful as to how you want to um, position yourself when it comes to inviting your parents into your relationships. Because once you invite them in, they're always going to be in, they're always going to be concerned, right? Mm-hmm. And, and they're not always going to know the boundaries of when to step in and when to step out. You invited them in, they're always going to stay in, even though you might want them to not be in your business on this one. So you might want to consider the types of things uh, and not be secretive, right? There's nothing, there's nothing covert about a relationship, but you might really want to give some thought to how you want, what type of information you want your parents to have as it pertains to you dating uh, your dating and relationship. So that's that's one of the stories that I that I can share right off the top. Well, Dan Dean looks like <laughs> yeah, I'm <laughs> like, like, get at it. <laughs> well, with me growing up, I never I grew up with just my mom. My mom and my dad was divorced, so I grew up with just my mom, and I didn't have to put her in my relate my relationships. At an early stage, she was in it <laughs> until we, until <laughs> I got to the age where, um, 
30 something, maybe. (laughs) She She was always trying to be in my business. Mm-hmm. Now, with my daughter as a preteen and her early teens, yeah, I was in her business. Right. All right. up in it. Right. Uh, right. This guy, that guy, whoever trying to talk to you, I was all <laughs> up in it. But as an adult, as she got to become an adult, I step back. I don't get in her business at all. She mm-hmm. don't uh, offer no information. And I don't ask. Right. Now, my son. Okay, yes, go ahead. I was going to ask about gender, but go ahead. Yeah, my son is a whole different story. He invites me <laughs> all we the time. Yes. Like, and I told him, stop introducing me to females that you're not going to really have a relationship, a long relationship with. I'm <laughs> sick of that. <laughs> Be honest, I, calling me. Oh, yeah, because you like, I gotta remember these names. I don't know who she's gonna be <laughs> next week. Exactly. And he will come here even after he went off to college. Come home and bam, the first thing he's talking about is some female. <laughs> I just and, honestly though, I think that's a reflection of his respect for your opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. And I respect that, and I'm glad he talks to me but last uh podcast we talked about oversharing yes <laughs> brought overshares <laughs> <laughs> i don't need to know everything Thanks so much. i went to the clinic last weekend uh <laughs> <laughs> well i haven't had i haven't had the privilege of having to deal with that company you don't want it <laughs> <laughs> but all the other conversations mm-hmm. yeah and I'm, I, I sit there and I'll be like, just looking at them. So, so let me ask, let, let me ask this to everyone. Do you think that gender plays a role in that? Definitely. Definitely. Uh, what, so what I will say, growing up, it was myself and my brother, right? My mom passed away at a very, when I was young, my mom passed away when I was eight. So it was just myself, my dad and my brother. When it came down to my brother and girls, my dad wasn't really, he was just like, all right, do your thing, be safe, have fun. When it came down to me and boys, right, yeah. When it came down to me and boys, he was like, you better not breathe in that space because it will be problems. Like it was, you know, like I was even afraid to be like, I think he's cute or like I have a crush because they would be like, what? Let's get him. You know, like it would be different. So I would like find myself like, I don't even want to talk to you guys about, you know, what's going on and and my love life and who I find attractive and stuff because you guys are going to be so defensive and overprotective and like, ah, no, we got to keep you away. And I, you know, I understood after a while, like as I got older and actually experienced, you know, some guys that were kind of trash. I was like, okay, I, I get what they were trying to protect me from, but there was a different way to go about it, you know, because there are also females out there that my brother, nine times out of 10, shouldn't have experienced, and that my dad should have been like, okay, hold on, wait, let me, let me talk to you about this, you know, but he gave him a lot more leeway because he's a boy, you know, and yeah. he was a lot more stricter on me because I'm a girl and there's more, you know, there's more views around girls. You have to be more protective in their body and so forth. So I think it's a little bit different when it comes down to genders. Definitely. I, I think, I think well, well, 
to answer your question, I was, you're talking about two different things in a sense, right? Because the initial, you know, podcast were like, all right, well, how do you, as a fully grown adult, mm-hmm. manage, um, you know, balance and boundaries within your relationship to your significant other and how you want to involve or not involve your parents? That's one thing. Yes. What you're talking about, though, Bree, is protection of children. I personally, that's how I view it. Right. I mean, but even still as an adult now, you know, even as an adult now, like there's things that I can't tell my elders. Wait, listen, listen. There's things that I can't tell my elders about. Like when I was in a relationship, I knew there was things that I couldn't share with them because I would forgive my partner and they wouldn't, you know, because no, she's the baby. She's the girl. We have to be protective. This, that, and the third. And I'm an adult. I can protect myself. I came and I spoke to you because I'm trying to vent and I, you know, need a partner. Like my grandmother, I would tell my grandmother things and she would see my partner and be like, "Hmm, I could strangle you right now because Bree told me something yesterday, you know, like, Mm -hmm. but it's not like that for my uncle. It wasn't like that for my brother when he became an adult and him and his baby mother had their own issues going on. But Nobody interfere with that because he's the boy and he'll get it well, figured out. What I was going to say was I totally understand what your experience is. I was going to say that there's completely and and like categorically a double standard when it comes to how little boys are uh, dealt with. And as they grow up into young men and dealing with uh, other other um, the opposite sex and how and how little girls are treated. And all I was going to say was, I mean, obviously I'm not a parent, so all I can do at this point is, you know, is conjecture, right? And and to it, what I believe, you know, like I have a niece, so that's the closest comparison I can make. But like at the beginning, you know, when you're dealing with children, the idea I think is you want to make sure that your children understand their bodies, you know, they understand their personal space and understand, you know, that they have a right to protect their space, Um I don't agree with men encouraging young boys and young, te- young teenage boys to be um, overt, overtly uh, sexual yep. and then at the same time be oppressive to their teenage daughter. Yep. I, think right. that you, I think that you should be the same with both of them. Absolutely. Um, you know, um, obviously, unfortunately, we live in a world where men do horrible things and so protect the women. At all times. Mm-hmm. And that's where, like, I, I can kind of understand. I'm not a father, but I can understand why fathers are so protective of their daughters. Um, but to your point, Bree, it's not fair that you now, as a grown woman, still have to navigate that sort of energy like you don't know how to protect yourself. Like, you don't know how to advocate and find agency for yourself because you're a woman. I right. think that definitely speaks to that that um that stereotype and that that dynamic of this patriarchal society that we live in where women cannot speak for themselves that's what i think that speaks to you know right. um so I, I i don't know and as it pertains to the actual you know as a as a fully grown functioning adult and relationships and, and whether or not i want my family involved i think it's a reflection of how you interact with them generally regardless of whether or not you're in a relationship because right. you know i i've never felt that my parents were that hands-on anyway you know that's just how we are you know do they not do they love me yeah i know they love me um i keep them informed but 
you know, I've always kind of been independent anyway. So it's like, hey, this is what I'm doing. Be grateful that I'm allowing you into my world and let's just be be cool. But not everybody has that sort of, you know, dynamic. So right. I, don't, I don't have the answers for that. <laughs> no, right. definitely. Sasha, you want to weigh in before I open my big mouth again? <laughs> I'll do. Yeah. So I'll, I'll do my view on, you know, when you're in a serious relationship, yes. whatever that dynamic might be. I would say uh, it's important to have mutual respect right? Whether it's your parents or your partner's parents, mm-hmm. your in-laws, full disclosure, my mother-in-law is here this weekend and oh. I love her. Uh, <laughs> in the room with you right now? No, no. <laughs> uh, but in a healthy amount of space yes. between your family as a unit, yep. you, your guys, well, you know, the, the family unit as a single entity, right? So they move through life together um and and that's it i i'd say that if that is kept healthy and if i mean all things being equal clearly if there are disturbing things going on in any relationship then that requires an intervention from Mm -hmm. your family members be that parents or whoever right um but if things are good right then i think uh, mutual respect in a healthy space is a good recipe for everybody's sanity sorry I have a question because Sasha brought up a really good point have you guys ever dealt with an in-law or you know like your partner's parent who was like extremely involved uh, well Sasha you want to you want to um... I have not well, I was um, insight on that yeah. <laughs> so your face I have a theory. I don't know if it's been like proven statistically, but I do have a theory that any sons, and this is a a gender bias, Mm -hmm. any sons that are only children usually come with overbearing mothers. (laughs) That's actually actually not so much true. I feel like like my my daughter's father is the youngest. He's the youngest. Uh And his mom was so overbearing with him. Like, she didn't like nobody he dated. She didn't want him to be with nobody. Couldn't nobody call a house. Yeah, she wanted like, him for herself. <laughs> she was so overbearing. Wow. Uh, she didn't like me. I right. didn't care. <laughs> I was the type of person, I don't care. I'm going to call your house anyway. Because right. <laughs> that's what I did. Why are you a pistol? <laughs> is he, was he uh, younger by a lot from his like? Good question. Uh, Siblings? Yeah. yeah. Um, like was he was he the, a mistake? You know, like oops, the whoops. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not a mistake. I don't, a whoops, a you know, like you good. And then, I don't. Oh. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I, um, he he was not that much younger than his sister. His sister is the middle child, mm-hmm. and I think that maybe like. Four, maybe five years apart. Does he have That's other considerable? Right. He has an older brother. Mm. Mm. And the older brother's the oldest, right? Yes. And mm. but she was actually kind of like that with all of them. Mm. But once they grad, once the oldest two graduated, the uh, oldest brother and the oldest sister graduated, they left. Yeah. Uh, quick. Yeah. So, which is why, like, I can kind of I can see where like 
where Sasha's coming from with that because he then kind of became like that only child in that dynamic because the other right. two were no longer there. And then mommy's yeah. getting older. Mommy's like, oh, All right. my me. baby bird, my last baby bird. You know? right. right. So, so I'm like, like mm-hmm. I'm just saying, like, I can, I'm I can sorry. She was just damn evil. Well, there, there, there's that. And that's <laughs> the other part. So, so Sasha. There it is. Now, in, in your, in your um, relationship with your mother-in-law, um, was that something that was already baked in that you all had uh, a good bond and connection or was that something that you had to work towards? Uh, she was also, boundaries? she was always very open. Uh, my husband is a middle child and his older sister was already married. So I think that there was experience with the in-law interaction. Sure. Um, yeah, so I don't think we've gotten closer, of course, right. over the years. Um, I will say, like with any, like with any other like relationship, mm-hmm. uh, relationship, pick your battles, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> pick your battles with everyone. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> some I- things are not worth fighting for or right. over. So, yeah, uh, yeah, just let it be. I, I remember once I was uh, was kind of pre courting. Uh, this young lady, we we hadn't really gotten to the dating part yet, but um, she wanted me to meet her mom. And all I kept hearing about her mother was that the mother was big mama. and She was the boss over the entire family. And, and <laughs> mom, big mama had the last word and saying everything. And I'm like, I don't know why you want me to meet this lady, because I don't you know, I don't acquiesce to people. Um, for those reasons, like if I if I'm close to you or if I bond with you, I do. But it's definitely one of, of mutual respect. So I meet the woman and uh, seemed like a nice enough lady. And we had gotten into a, a conversation and and her mother said, I knew I felt it coming. The mother said, well, if you want to get to know me better, you need to such and such. And I said, excuse me, ma'am. I said, all due respect. But I'm not trying to get to know you better. I'm trying to get to know your daughter better. That's right. my number one priority. Look and shut it down. And so I looked at the young lady I was courting, and she was like, "Oh, oh, snap! What?" And so, uh, but the woman had respect. She didn't say anything after. I said, "I'm not trying to get to know you better. I'm trying to actually get to know your daughter better first. That's first. And then if we get to have a relationship, build upon a relationship after that, you and I." then I welcome it, but you know, you don't have, you, you're not the boss over here. And so uh, later on, maybe a day or so later, uh, the young lady called me up and she said, I never seen anybody shut my mother up, like make my mother back down. You know, um, I said, but it, it's true. I said, you know, she seems like a very nice lady, but she's not gonna get to dictate my life and if we're going to have a relationship, I think that it's important for you to speak to your mother in those in in that respect. Like I shouldn't have to say those things to your mother, right? Because how old were you? If you don't, if you, you I was probably maybe uh, uh, maybe early thirties. Mm, okay. Mm. Um, but I am very demonstrative about things that are related to me. Absolutely, as you should. You know what I mean? Like, there's no greater authority over me than myself. So I don't allow people to dictate or dominate um, the terms um, as it pertains to myself. So I'm very demonstrative about those things. 
So if I'm dealing with uh, a woman and her family or her friends, um, and it looks like it's going to infringe on me, mm-hmm. yeah, you're gonna have somebody's gonna have to make some decisions because I've already made mine. Um, and so it's up to uh, at that point, it's up to the woman to kind of get her family um, in a certain position where we well, can mutual respect for each other. Mm-hmm. Well, the man, you know, because it goes both ways. Oh, yeah. no, absolutely. No, no, I will no. say. Yeah, it's not a gender I, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. I will say that it is your partner's or your responsibility to um, sort of make sure that your parents or your in-laws do not cross the line. It is yeah. not, yep. you know, so in my dynamic, it is not my battle. That's right. You know, to That's fight. Right. I would expect my partner to That's say correct. something if lines were right. crossed Absolutely. and vice versa. Right. If my I parents were to cross the line it's funny because i agree 100 percent with you in that um but i also feel that with me there's a difference between theory and practice and theoretically like i can you know intellectualize how like that sort of possible response like interaction but i also have like this innate desire to always defend myself too so i would have to then be mindful of Okay, I'm gonna give you a I'm gonna give you a couple of minutes to mm-hmm. do something, babe. Because if you don't, <laughs> I'm gonna say something. You yeah. know, but you know, I yeah, I, I agree with you 100 percent there. You know, it's like you obviously want to advocate for yourself, but if you're talking about your your partnership and somebody says something out of pocket, and I think that also goes to goes for um, just anybody within that person's circle, whether it's a fa- a, a friend, um, another family member. You know, I'm like, you you handle that. You know, yeah. you better check them. Yeah, definitely. Now, I, I, don't get me wrong when I say I would call my daughter's father house, mother's house. I was 17, 18 years right. old. Yeah. I never disrespected. Yeah. Now, I never disrespected his mom. Never came out of pocket on her. <laughs> never. And, and even after yeah. everything that I went through, having my daughter and them not accepting her and everything, I still never came out of pocket on her. Sure. Right. sure. It's right. just, I felt like that should have been, he should have stepped in and said something. Absolutely. That was his responsibility. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, I never had a problem with my son's uh, grandparents. They loved me. Right. <laughs> they just... <laughs> and to this day, they still do. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I, I give uh, my significant other's parents that much respect. Mm-hmm. So, I, um, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Nas. No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, um, and anybody feel free to jump in on this, uh, because I was actually I've been thinking about this. Um, what are some of the things you can do when you're in that sort of whether it's a new partnership or if you've been together for some time and you're starting to recognize certain things, what are some of the things that you think you could do to kind of help ensure that that balance or that that relationship of, of your parents isn't, you know, if it's important to you that you are able to maintain it with your, within that partnership, what are some of the things y'all look to do? Communication. Well, obviously. Okay. All right. Communication. I mean, okay, not to not to knock that, but like I feel like that's a given. So right. like 
what else though? Like, what are some so, of the things? So here, Boundary. what? Yeah, here, Boundary. Here, okay. So here's what Elite Daily says, um, and this is a piece written by Jamie Kravitz um, at EliteDaily.com, and it's and it's a little more specific, but it says if you're dating while living at home with your parents, you need these four tips. Move out. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's five, you right? dating. So no, put in there five tips, actually, right? That's tip number one. Move That's out. Number one. <laughs> so it says, uh, keep your dating life and your home life separate, at least at first, right? Then it says, spend most of the day outside of the house. Uh, number three. Three, it says, if you're in a relationship, make an effort to get to know each other's families. And then four, it says, communicate with your parents about what you want from them. Um, but I would agree, Leon, we added a fifth one, and it should actually be number one, move yeah. out. Absolutely. Get up on out. Get out. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Bye. Honestly, because, I, I mean, maybe, maybe this is my own, you know, uh, you know, because of what my own personal experience has been in my life. But like, I don't feel like if you're living at home, that should be a, pro- a focus. Not to say that you can't be interacting with people, right. but like, you know. You're, you're kind of right about that because. Yeah, you know, you, you should. I have, I, I'm not saying I lived at home. My mom lived with me once she uh, ended up being disabled and everything. She moved back from she moved from Philadelphia back down here, right. and she moved in with me. Right. So it was my house. Yeah, that's definitely different. And she lived with me. Mm-hmm. So all, whatever relationships I had, she had she really had no say. So even though she tried to, right? I'm just gonna ask you because because. It, whether, whether you're living with your parents or your parents are living with you, if you have demonstrative parents, doesn't matter, right? Like your house is their house as far as they're concerned, and they're going to be a parent <laughs> no. if they're demonstrative, right? Bree, you going to say something? Well, I, I, I had laid down the, uh, the ground rules. You laid down the law, huh? Yeah, I, I laid down the ground rules. I'm grown. Yeah, you be like, look, you're you don't like it, mama. My you house. know what you can do. <laughs> so I'm going to be able to do whatever I want to do in my house yeah. Mm-hmm. That I was doing before you moved in with me. And what right. did you have to say? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just well, always say like, with a little black backlash. She always had a little something else to say. Yeah. I can't imagine if I was like an elder and you know, I lived with my son and like I wouldn't mind him, you know, doing his adult things, but I think I'd always throw in a funny little something every time he'd bring in a girl. He'd be like, Ma, why you always gotta say something funny? Like, oh hey, Crystal. You, 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 and her you name said the wrong Shelly. name on purpose. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. And he'll be like, Oh my God. Ma, you gotta go to a home. He'd want to kick me out because I'd always say something a little funny. She'd be like, sabotaging his relationships. Right, yeah. <laughs> I have did that by accident. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Well, he, every time I turned around, he was inter- trying to introduce me to another girl, and I, I called the name out, and he was like, "Uh, uh-uh. uh." That's why you just have to replace the name with sweetheart. No, <laughs> look, we're not. No. No, I'd be like, I'm sorry, no. which one are you again? Damn. You got the third girl this week. (laughs) We could go on and uh, look, I'm about to close this out, but I'll say this. Like my children, both of them are are married 
and I'm in they relationships. I am, I am literally like purged into. So, so you guys talk like 35, 40 minutes about this, and now you say you. Oh yeah, no, I'm all <laughs> right, I'm, right. I'm involved. Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hands on and involved, but in a in a very positive way. Like I give them, I don't, I don't disrespect or violate their relationship or so their. They, they know you. You're there to support. Big Papa all day. That's important. Yes. So listen, once again, uh, thank you all. Thank my special uh, guest co-host. It was a re- I really enjoyed the, the festive nature of the, the topic. And also I appreciate the, the, the serious nature of, of um, our uh, awareness and, and speaking to um, the social injustices that are, are plaguing our, our, our world, our, our country. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, continue to be beacons of light and love. I appreciate you all. I love you all. Uh, thank you, Big Sasha. Appreciate you coming on. Will we get to see you? Will we get to hear from you once again? Absolutely. Uh, just what? Just quick sec. Uh, I wanted to plug um, a documentary on PBS. It's yes. called um, "The Birth of a Movement." And it's really good. It's I recommend uh, it is about birth of a nation since Leon mentioned and how that mm-hmm. shaped sort of the I civil rights that. movement. They, yeah. They talk about uh, W.E.B. Du Bois. And, uh, right. Yeah. 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 So recommend for people. I think it's on Amazon Oh, it is. Okay. I, I, it, it's a yeah. PBS production, but I'm yeah. That's probably, awesome. yeah. But yeah. Give us yeah. the name yeah. again, Sasha. Uh, birth of a movement. Birth of a so. movement. All right. There we go. Uh, thank you once again, uh, Ms. Geraldine. Thank you for having me. I yes. Enjoy. See, Geraldine, uh, Geraldine is the pistol, and her mama must have been <laughs> shotgun. <laughs> he was. Yeah, I know it. I can tell. And Leon, King Kong ain't got nothing on Leon. Thank you once again, Brother Leon, for taking the time to join us. Probably. Hopefully we'll get to see you on uh, other podcasts or mm-hmm. hear from you on other podcasts. Absolutely. That's what's up. Bree bringing the tea. Yes. Thank you for holding us down once again. Bree is an amazing human being. We're actually going to um, to start working on a project together, and we're going to put together a, a podcast for kids by kids. And so it's going to be very much similar to Talk It Over, but done um, for kids by kids. So we definitely <laughs> welcome and look forward to you all supporting that as well. Once again, it's your man, K.I. from Bed-Stuy. You've been listening to Talk It Over. Talk It Over is the only dating relationship podcast that begins in bed. With that said, may all your ups and downs be in the bed. Slow motion. Yeah. week.